On this episode, Brian and I dissect and talk about the Dallas Cowboys draft. What do we think? Good? Bad? A whole bunch of meh? Brian, play the music! Today's draft, or today's episode, not draft, this is kind of special because it's all draft. It might as well be a draft. Uh, we're going to talk Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we're going to talk about every pick, what it means to the team, kind of where it's going to where it's going to go. I, you know, no funny stories or anything else. I kind of want to get back right, in, right into it. I've got, I got some thoughts and then I want to talk to you about them because I don't, I want to say positive things. I want to be a homer because I, I can be that, but I really don't want to be. So first off, the, the drafts in the books, and we're going to kind of go round by round on this episode and kind of talk about what it means for the squad. First off, last year, let, let's go to last year's draft. Okay. I left very, 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 very impressed um, with the draft last year because the first uh, year, uh, first draft, excuse me, under the Mike McCarthy era, and it was 100%, in my opinion, best talent available every single round. Yeah, it was it was one of the best drafts the Cowboys have had on paper. On yeah, at least on paper. Right. In of I you know I 2016 was spectacular. You get a franchise quarterback in the fourth round, great. But um, on paper alone, I'd say this is still even better than that because at the time we never knew what Dak was going to turn into when that draft happened. On paper. This is one of the best drafts in the, the last 15, 20 years. And how does something oh, become good on paper? It becomes good on paper because, for instance, somebody's big board has, like this year we drafted Micah Parsons at 12. So, and he ranked eighth on their big board, and we got him at 12. So that makes your grade improve, correct? Is that how the, the grading works for these guys? Yeah, I mean, it's basically about value, right? Right. So, like I said about Dak, at the time of that draft or at the time of this draft, we have no idea who's actually going to be a good player in the NFL because right. sure. there's so many variables, right? Um, but every all the scouts and draft nicks and everybody kind of gets together and, and puts out their, their big board and there kind of becomes a, a consensus of general rankings of roughly the you know, top 250 players that are out there. Right. And then you can judge the value based on where you're getting certain players uh, as opposed to where they're ranked overall on this kind of general big board that's out in the ether, right? It's like so, football, you don't draft Tony Pollard in the second round, even though you think he might have a great year. You wait for his, his well, price for him to kind of be where it's at when you're drafting in the order, right? Absolutely. So uh, a perfect example is um, is uh, last year, right? When when C.D. Lamb fell to the Cowboys at 17, the wide receiver was not a need, right? They didn't. It, you don't. You take C.D. Lamb because the value at that point is so crazy. If they didn't take C.D. Lamb, they were going to take one of two players, 
one of them being Trayvon Diggs, right? But they go, they take CeeDee Lamb because the value is just too good because he was rated so high on their board. And then they happen to get Trayvon Diggs in the second round, which then also bumps the total value of what they were able right. to get. It's the same kind of thing. You, you know, you have to, it, you have to factor in roughly where everybody else is ranking them, positional value, scheme fit, age, injury history that, like I said, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of variables. And for this draft, which we're about to get into, it seems like they went against that notion. And I'm, for for they gave the they gave us what we wanted. We wanted defense. The defense was putrid. This this last year drafting for best player available did not translate into anything but terrible terrible football last year. You could blame it on COVID. You could blame it on coaches. Blame it on schemes. For whatever reason, it didn't work. This year's draft, which we're about to get into, is 100% about scheme traits and really. Quite frankly, this is what I want, and I'm not getting anything unless it fits that criteria. Is that is that a true statement from from what I'm about to break down with you? That is that is certainly a. I don't know if I would say it's a true statement, but it is a fair, at least a fair assessment, given what we do and don't know about how the Cowboys operate. Here's, I'll I'll play devil's advocate for one second. I don't even necessarily believe this, but it is something to think about. Right, right. With, with this year, with the whole COVID situation, there was information was much less available in the draft community, right? Normally, excuse me, we have a pretty good idea, not only of what teams are planning on doing, but also kind of what their board it roughly looks like. That information has a way of getting out to, uh, you know, the internet. Uh, this year that didn't really happen normally again and i don't want to drag this out for a long time this explanation of what i'm trying to say but normally um throughout the entire football season and into the early off season the each team scouts are out on the road you know they're they're assigned one scout will be assigned a particular area of the country right and each team is going to have a scout assigned to that area of the country so those scouts work together they share notes they whatever so what ends up happening is each team's board because the scouts are all kind of working together ends up looking at least pretty similar you know you don't have wide variances where this year that didn't happen because the scouts weren't going out and seeing each other face to face so either the cowboys were doing exactly what you said which is basing the majority of their at least later round picks on scheme or they just had completely different value than what everybody else did on the players they picked. Right, right. One of the two. And it seemed like there was a lot of value this year on players that were in the senior bowl because that was an actual hands-on scenario, not just for the Cowboys, for a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, as as a, if, if a casual uh, draftee person who's trying to learn more about the process, a lot of medical records were missing this year. A lot of unknowns. Uh, there's a, uh, the safety from TSU, uh, TCU, excuse me, that you and I were high on fell a little bit because apparently a, a back issue had popped up that they didn't have all the records about quite yet. So there's a reason why he fell a little bit long. I was wondering why he was still chilling there uh, so long, but I mean, either. there's uh, another guy that I was real high on. I didn't want the Cowboys to draft him, but he was one of my favorite players in the draft is uh, the linebacker slash safety out of Notre Dame, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. 
Right. Well, all the way up through, and and I'll say that name again because it's a it's a mouthful. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. All the way up through the entire pre-draft process, everybody, the media's kind of big board had him ranked as a top twenty, top fifteen player. I mean, some people had him mocked to the Cowboys or the Broncos. That's how high he was going, and he ended up going at like fifty-two to the Browns because when they did finally get medical stuff, he had an undiagnosed heart condition. It's hey. crazy stuff. No. Yeah. All right. So we've, uh, I've kind of vented a little bit, so let's break it down. Um, we talked about for the last two or three episodes talking draft that the draft was Atlanta, San Francisco, that three, four range was where this, this shit could kind of go in yeah. a weird direction. Right. And, and it did. Um, I know you and a lot of uh, people in the know, but uh, the majority of people thought that Mac Jones is going to be like Mac Jones 100% was going to be the person that went. That was the reports. That was the information that was coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Zach Wilson and everything else. So like one thing that changed about that is Trey Lance ended up going third, right? And with Trey Lance going third, it switched everything because for whatever reason, it, it made pits happen like everybody thought with Atlanta. There was reports that Atlanta was going to go Trey Lance with a quickness if he was available at four, which all of a sudden now you have four quarterbacks. So the reason why I bring this up is all the dominoes fell. We get to the 10th pick and it's Cowboys. There's only three quarterbacks that are gone. So all of the defenders and skill position players, uh, are, you, you know, wide receivers have already, it, it's starting to happen unlike we thought maybe it could. Yeah. We're at 10. We trade back. Okay. Well, let, let's, let's, yes. sorry, let's clarify. Before uh-huh. it gets to 10, the two players that the Cowboys were going to draft were the cornerbacks, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain, and they go number eight to uh, – Horn goes eight to Carolina and nine Sertain to Denver. But go ahead from there. Perfect. So literally right in front of us, <laughs> just boom, gone. So you and I are texting, and both of us have the exact same response. Slater or Parsons is who you go with here, right? Or trade back. We, I didn't. I didn't know how far trading back, but sure as hell, it's announced minutes later they did trade back, and it was with the Eagles. And really, you got an extra pick for moving back two spots and taking who you were going to take at ten. That's a win for me. That's, that's a very big win, big time. Yeah. big time. yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of people. And once again, most people who pay attention to the draft watch the first round or pay attention to that, and they kind of tune out after. The, the super fan is watching to the last pick, right? Yeah, and. Not, not a lot of people know how much talent there was in the secondary. That's all we've tried to talk about it on our podcast, because in the second round, if you missed, and we talked about that being a real possibility, we were talking about Kyle Pitts or Waddle or whatever, or trading back, you could get a quality secondary person in the second round. Absolutely. You do it because there's just so many, so many people there, as long as you're, you're making the right pick. So we get our, we get our pick, we get Micah Parsons. So let's talk about Micah Parsons. Okay. Right. He's a linebacker. He is from Penn state. And he has the, what the, as Michael Jordan would say, the ceiling is the roof, right? With his raw abilities, he is, he could be a bad motherfucker, uh, basically. Just to say the least, man, um, I don't want to, okay, so a lot of people are saying that he's a boom or bust pick, and I don't agree with that, right? I think it's boom or smaller boom, right? Because sure. while, while I would have preferred Slater, let me say that. I still like the Parsons pick because I think right now 
he is the best linebacker on this team right off the bat, right? His physical abilities are, are off the charts, but he's only been playing linebacker for two years. He will get better. Um, but even if he hypothetically doesn't get even a little bit better, he's still the best linebacker on this team because in today's NFL linebacker, a lot of people say that linebacker is becoming an irrelevant position. And I don't agree with that. Um, I think your old school kind of linebacker, the, that, that only plays the run is, is obsolete. You have to be able to, because the league passes so much, you have to be able to be effective in the passing game in one of two ways. You either have to be at least serviceable or better in coverage, or you have to be able to rush the passer. One of the two for him we don't know how good he really is in coverage because he wasn't asked to do it very much at Penn State. Right. What he can do is rush the passer. He is one of the best off-ball linebackers at pass rushing already in the entire league because he was a defensive end in high school. So right off the bat, you're going to see him coming. You're going to see him on blitz packages. You're going to see him, you know, this defense is going to be very different than what a lot of people think. It's going to be very multiple. So you're very going to hybrid, see, right? what's that? Very hybrid, like three, four, very, four, three. Yeah, nickel. absolutely. You're going to see, and it's going to be even weirder stuff like that. Like in my head, based on the things that, that Dan Quinn said, it almost makes me think of like the late 2010s Rex Ryan defenses, where sometimes you'd only have one down lineman and you'd have five linebackers or just crazy stuff. Right, where you right, never right. know where the blitzer's coming from. But when Parsons is on the field, you you and he's going to be on the field a lot, you can bet he's probably, if it's a passing down, he's probably coming because he can rush his ass off. Great player. Is, is he going to make, I think, this is just me, and obviously I don't break down the film like you do. Um, I think that he's going to make Jalen better. I think he's going to make Jalen obsolete. Well, that's even better. In either way, I think either Jalen gets paid because he's surrounded by a talent who masks his like obviously this was my thought after the pick. Yeah. You know, spoiler alert as we go further, we got another linebacker later who we I'm just in love with as well. Um, but I, I think, yeah, one of those two, man. And I, I don't think I think I'm fine either way because man, he pissed me off. He got paid and disappeared. Here's the thing, right? Micah Parsons is is what they were hoping that Jalen was gonna be right like the the closest and I don't I don't not huge on player comps because it's not it's very rarely is it actually accurate but the closest player comp for Micah Parsons is Jalen Jalen Smith before he fucked his knee all up right, right. that's the closest comp the the what's gonna in my opinion is I think in sometime between 12 to 24 months from now, you're too, you know, nowadays, most, most of the time you're in nickel 70% of the time, 65% of the time, which is two linebackers. Right. I think in 12 to 24 months, your two linebackers are the two guys we drafted in this draft. Sure. Right? They didn't, as of today, they announced they didn't pick up the option for Leighton Vander Esch. Right. That doesn't mean he's gone after this year, but it's, He's on notice. Both all linebackers that were on the staff before the draft are 100% on notice 
make yourself useful or make yourself gone. Yes. All right. So first round is over. We picked Micah Parsons. We did not trade back into the very end of the first, like we talked about. Um, feeling good. I, I, I look at the board. I see the, I see 10 solid people uh, on secondary between safeties and cornerbacks that we could pick up. Okay. Feeling good. Some people are going crazy uh, on Facebook. Like what the fuck? Who is this? Why, what? Oh my God, this draft's terrible. And it's like, it's not over. It could be, it could be good. So we go to the second round. The Cowboys had the 12th pick in the second round, not the 10th. They had the 12th pick. So it's a whole day. We've had time to kind of stew on things and comes up to be our pick. First off, you and I both wanted the safety from TCU. Which and... I don't care what they say. That's who they were going to pick. Oh, sure. I, okay. They pretend in the press conference after like they weren't. That was their guy. Yeah. But... Oakland, Oakland moved right in front of us. Yeah. What, about, about five minutes before. Yeah, uh, and, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, Oakland draft fucked us. And took them. They, 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 they cocked block. It happened. They're like 100%. Yeah. So I had about three or four guys that were on my list because there were some good secondary guys going uh, at this point, right? I know you and I, I had mentioned that I liked the Sante Samuel Jr. You had mentioned to me that it's not the scheme. He's too small. It's not a guy they're going to be looking at. And after researching Dan Quinn and what he wanted and what they were saying, I'm like, you were right. So I, I took him off of my list, but I had about three or four. Um, I saw who we were drafting, who's the cornerback, uh, Kelvin Johnson. Right? Kelvin Joseph. Joseph, excuse me. I just want to say John. Kelvin Joseph yeah. uh, out of Kentucky, who's a cornerback, uh, popped up there. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I know Brian talked about him. I know I've heard people on the radio talk about him. Was this the right pick here? Like, did they just did they just Tristan Hill us where they reached a little bit? So I'm on my phone, I text you and everything else, and then I realize, oh fuck, okay. This is a guy that's had some off-the-field issues, and there's a reason why he's right here. This guy's borderline 27, 28, early second round pick if he's squeaky clean. If he's squeaky clean, I don't I think it's earlier than that. I think okay. if he, I think if he's squeaky clean, he goes in the teens. His tape is terrific. You'll find a handful of people out there, draftnik people and scouts, that will ding him a little bit on some tape stuff. But I do not agree with them. The other draft, you know, people in the know that I follow and pay attention to and agree with them most of the time are all in love with this guy, myself included. Was he graded as a second rounder? He, yeah, he, was, he, he was graded out as a second rounder. Factoring okay. in the off-field off stuff, you know, sure. uh, getting the boot from LSU and, and not getting along with his coaching staff. Um, the Cowboys have said that they did a, fair, a good amount of research on, on it. They did their homework and are completely comfortable with it. I don't know if that's true or not, and they wouldn't tell us if, you know. Right, right. They're not going to come out and say, no, we just kind of took a shot in the dark. We, you know, no. Um, but – if there's one thing I give the Joneses is they they will forever tell you that that's their pick all along. Yeah. That's who they wanted. There's no, like, uh, for instance, Urban Meyer was quoted as, like, their heart was broken on one pick. because running back. Before, right. And they will never, ever, they're such salesmen. They will never, ever, ever say, it's always, nope, that was it's our guy. And that was exactly. That's exactly who he wanted to pick that, that the whole time. That's, you know, they never, they never waver from that. And I, I kind of appreciate it. No, um, 
Yeah, he's it, also a rapper. Have you listened to his rap music yet, by the way? Uh, yeah, Boss Man Fat. <laughs> yes, I ha- he's got six albums, dude. Six yeah. albums, yeah. yeah. Um, which a lot, I think, personally, I think a big part of the reason why so many people in the draft community were digging him is because the NFL doesn't like that. When you have interests outside of football, they want you to be 100% all in all the time. The only thing you care about is football and family. And there's plenty of really good players in the league who have interests outside of football. There are, you know, there have been times where it has blown up in team space for drafting one of those guys, but a lot of guys come into the league that have interest outside of football and it doesn't hamper them at all. Hopefully that's the case here. Cause if he lives up to his potential, then he can, he, I mean, he could be an all pro. Yeah, no, I agree. And I watched everything that I could watch and read everything I could read, listen to his interviews, listen to his calls. And I'm like, all right, man, uh, sign me up. And yeah. at this point, me in the mind of the Cowboy fan that I am at, at this point, Brian, I'm like, okay. So we did not get certain. We do not get Horn. We got Micah Parsons, who's badass. And then we got this guy who, if he wasn't a fuck up, is graded just as high as the other two. I'm like, okay, well, I thought we would have went O-line in the second, cornerback in the first, something something along those lines, right? So I'm like, this is working out all right. Okay, I'm extremely pumped where we're at. We have three picks in the third round. So I'm telling people, you know, I'm texting my friends and everything else. I'm like, okay. So now we start to say, What's this second pick with Micah Parsons and this pick we're getting from the Eagles? What's this about to turn into, right? Like, what how are we going to spin this? Yes, sir. Sorry to cut you off, but there, you, something you said at the beginning of, of this right here reminded me of something else and brings me back to the first round real quick, but it's an important note. Okay. We said, uh, one of, you, you pointed out that the pick in the first round when we took Micah Parsons was basically between Rashawn Slater, the offensive lineman, Sure. And Micah Parsons. We believe that's what it was. I'm, it yeah. had been, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, something else we can uh, take by them not taking the offensive linemen is they also must be pretty confident in the health of... Collins and Tyron? Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I take it with a grain of salt, but I think if they were after the horrible shit fuck of a situation that we had last year with the o-line i think that if they truly believed that it was going to be another really rough year for tyron i think they would have drafted the o-lineman so that that should be at least comforting to some people but sorry go ahead oh Absolutely. no thanks pick and we're off to the third all right yeah we are off to the fucking third round mike can, can we just skip it? Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I think the reason why I'm able to be such a good fan these days is I don't let what I know is a thing affect me and it, what it should, if that makes sense. Yeah. The taking Taco over what? The taking Tristan Hill over Juan Thornhill? The taking, you know, Van Der Esch over Ridley, even if you want to get crazy with it, right? Now, the last six years, though, they have hit, in my opinion, on draft picks more than they've missed. The yeah, Dak yeah. pick, oh my gosh, so smart. Now, don't get me wrong, we tried our worst to fuck it up by getting Paxton Lynch or Connor Cook or whoever, but we were blocked by the Raiders, blocked by Denver, it all worked out. One thing I have a problem with, uh, 
I I like this entire draft, and I I'm not a grader. I think I it's not not my thing, but I would say that this draft this draft will be as good as some of the top ones that happen in the league if it wasn't for the third round. And I don't know why why they do this. Maybe you can explain it, but they get a comp pick, right? Which is a free pick. It's like, hey, you lost a player to free agency, so we extend the third round. Here's your comp pick, right? Uh, which was 99. The Eagles gave us a third round pick for them moving up two spots. They had two anyway, so no harm, no foul. They're like, okay, you can have this pick. So now we have three picks. Well, for whatever reason, and I'm not in the room. I don't know who they value or why they do it, but I'm, I'm of strong mind and body that says that you should take the best players available when you have that. And to me, what we did in the third, and, and the story is not yet written on these guys, and after getting to know them on Twitter and their interviews and the film that you and I watched and talked about and everything else, I'm a bigger fan and more optimistic now than I was on Saturday. Yeah. But damn it, man. Um, and it seems like, honestly, all three guys could have been had in the fourth. 100%. Um, now, he, let's, let's, uh, let's go one at a time, right? Sure. They're all, all three. There's only one that, that makes my eyes burst out of my head with anger. Right? Let's pick 99, right? 99. Yeah, yeah. But, all right, so the, the first pick, 75, is Osa Odigizua right. out of UCLA. Now, you talked earlier about the Senior Bowl being big. Right. Osa Odigizua dominated at the Senior Bowl, right? Yes. What, so there's a couple of things you can, we can take away from just the fact that they drafted this guy. One, and then, and then later on, Dan Quinn talked about it in his first interview. This was the first time, once they drafted him, I went, okay, they are definitely going to be more multiple, more hybrid right. than just a straight three, a four, three, because what he, his, he is a defensive tackle slash defensive end, but he can play basically every spot on the defensive line. He can play one technique, three technique, five, seven um so you're gonna see him in the base package he's gonna be the five technique which is like a three four defensive end the big stout dude like chris canny back in the day and when, right. when parcells was running it he's 280 pounds he's a three-time state champion wrestler yes i like that and he's got 35 inch arms as well yeah, which everyone we drafted did by the way yeah he's we have the longest arm draft uh, draft class by far um, but yeah, he's, he's got huge arms and you can watch him go against guys that have, that are bigger than him by 50 pounds and they can't move him. And it's because he's got that wrestling background. He understands leverage in a way that other people just don't, and he can get low and get into him and just, you yeah. can't move him. And it, and his twitch, right. That's a, that's a thing like his hips and his, it's like, it's, it's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, they announced it. I didn't, I admittedly did not know who this guy was. Sure. And I was thinking about it and I started looking at rankings and such. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Then it hit me. I know I'm watching, I'm, I'm flipping between NFL Network and ESPN when I'm, when I'm watching this. And it hit me about how many players were starting to go off the senior ball in the third round. And I'm like, okay. I was like, this seems like kind of a reach, but maybe, maybe, hey, all the senior bowl guys who are fourth rounders, maybe because of familiarity, this is what's going to happen this round. Is that we're about to just get senior bowl guys. And, and okay, fine. So we got Osa. And I'm, I'm 
pumping myself up for it a little bit. I'm like, okay, man, I, I like the wrestling background. I like the handwork. Okay, this is going to be cool. I got it. Next pick. I didn't – another one is kind of just right over my head, dude. Sure. And uh, it's Chauncey. Yeah, Chauncey Golston. 280 pounds. Kind of yeah. small? No, no. He's, he's a small. defensive end. So he's a big pass rusher, right? But he's <laughs> not – he is – a left defensive end and a four, three, right. Um, he's a big run stopping defensive end. He's never, he's never going to be, uh, a six, eight, 10, 12 sack guy from the defensive end spot. He's going to come in on first and second down and play the run really, really well. And if it happens to be a pass on first or second down, he's going to push the pocket with power. He's not that Randy Gregory, the Marcus Ware, super fast, bendy guy who can bend around the corner. That's not him. He's going to push an offensive tackle right back into the quarterback, and that's how he's going to be helpful. Um, Wrestling background as well. Yes, yeah. And the other thing that's important to note with him and Osa is they are in – they're known to be like – incredible team guys great locker room guys great uh no off-field stuff whatsoever like coaches darlings right if this if if the if the locker room was a classroom they'd be teachers pets okay they they are those guys um and i think the first two picks directly correlate to why part of why we took the these two that we're talking about here in the fourth because we took some some swings with Parsons and, and with Joseph as far as the off-field and character concerns. And these guys are safe bets. They're not going to give you any issues, and they're also ready to play right now. There's not a ton of development time. Their ceiling isn't going to be sky high, but their floor is really high. I like it. And, and one thing that, um, you know, I, I kind of noticed, it's funny because you know me, I like uh, wrestling and <laughs> We talk about these guys being wrestlers and 35-inch arms. I can't think, but the largest arms in the world, brother. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I yeah. can't help, but uh, I can't help, but it just happens every time. It makes you laugh. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so that was the Eagles pick right there, Chauncey. Yes. That, uh, that pick we got from the Eagles. So if you are like me and you want to compare, that's one thing you can kind of look at is, okay, let's see how Sertain does, right? Because in a bubble, I still... And I know I'm getting off topic here. I cannot fathom if I was a Denver fan and I don't end up with Aaron Rodgers somehow through all this, I'm going to, I would lose my fucking shit over my front office passing over fields because I have Teddy Bridgewater and drew Locke. Like I, and it's funny because my comparison to a a front office that would not do that would be like the bears was what I said. Like if the bears passed over him with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, their fan base would go insane. Absolutely. Yeah. And wow, that happened. So hopefully they know something that looks like it's not going to happen because wow, wow. Uh, I tell you, man, I'm a big, I'm high on Justin Fields. He was probably my favorite quarterback in this draft class. Sure. uh, Or at least right there with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think in two to three years, the folks in Denver, I mean, they're going to lose their fucking minds because I, I really do. I think, I think Justin Fields is going to be borderline MVP in two to three years. I think he's going to be terrific. I, yeah. So back to pick 99, let's talk about more shit shows. Shall we? Yes. Um, 
I'm sure he's a he's has a great interview. I like, hey man, I like six four. The first thing I thought of when I saw six four is Richard Sherman, and apparently that's what this dude views himself as. If there's one thing our draft class does have, it's confidence. Every single one of them is confident as fuck, and it's yep. awesome. So tell us about the name and everything about ours. All right, pick ninety nine, our last pick in the third round. His name is Nashon Wright. He's a six four cornerback out of Oregon State. So, um, as far as the player, to be perfectly honest, I didn't really know anything about him until and anyone else. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I was watching uh, the draft show on DallasCowboys.com, and that they had Dane Brugler and Brian Broadus and a handful of other people, and the look on people's face when that was the name. The only person in that room, and those are they—they they are full-time draft coverage people, basically. Right. And the only person in that room who even knew who he was, was Dane Brugler. So that tells you how far down he was ranked by everybody else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing we do know at this point, it's come out that the scouts for the Cowboys and a number of other people in the war room did not want to draft Nashawn Wright. They wanted to draft Jabril Cox or Baron Browning. That was those were the two that they were looking at drafting. And they kind of let instead of going off the board and picking best available player, they let Dan Quinn make the pick. And I guess this guy was a Dan Quinn darling for whatever reason. Dan Quinn liked him. I say whatever reason. The reason is six four. And the know, Richard Sherman, four. exactly one hundred percent. It's the yeah. Richard Sherman was the fifth round pick. This guy honestly should have been a fifth round pick. Now, some draft experts now have went back after watching him and, you know, like they said, hey, you know what? Yeah. This guy went about where he, maybe where he should. Yeah. Good, but, you know. If the, problem, the problem I have with it, even if you take uh, the, the two linebackers off the table, which uh, we'll get into more here in just a minute. Right. But even if you take it, I, I look not so much at the linebackers that they were thinking about taking, but I look at the other cornerbacks that were available sure. right there. Right. Like one of my favorite cornerbacks in the entire draft that I had pegged as a mid second round player is if Melafonwu. Right. Who went uh, two picks later. Right. right. Now the only, there's also uh, the pick right after him um was the safety cornerback hybrid dude out of washington who my brain isn't working but uh i can't remember his name it'll come to me in a minute but that was that was who i was hoping they were going to pick because that guy could play free safety Mm -hmm. instead and and they could have done that and probably still got this guy in the sixth you know but they had two picks in the fourth man or just use one of those i mean yeah absolutely um but it's too late at this point to worry about all that because we've got him he's on the team how is it going to work how is it going to work and let's root let's root for the kid because he's he's on our team now and he gives a great interview he sounds awesome he's very confident like you said very confident the cowboys do this man they get they get in their heads and they're in their own little bubble and they don't think it's like okay you know what it's it is a comp pick so, Dan, you can have this one. Yeah. You know, but it's like, 
I get it. That's awesome that you're giving a guy you just brought in that much, you know, you're, you're relying on him to rebuild everything and you're, you have that much trust that, that that's cool for your, for the leadership and everything else. It really, really is. But at the same time, the ebb and flow of what you just created and did. That's not how smart teams operate, Zach. That's right. Exactly. You you look at the teams that can like, in my opinion, the best drafting team in all of the NFL consistently always is the Ravens, right? They're one of those teams that they don't trade up. Sometimes they'll trade back, but they almost never trade up. And for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And they always end up with good players. They let the draft come to them. Right. And they always end up with good players. And what they, you can look at them in the fifth round of every draft for the last 15 years. And I bet you one out of four has a player that's, you know, done something. They may not be uh, an all pro, but they don't, they don't waste picks ever, not ever at all. Just because it was a comp pick or something you got in a trade doesn't mean it's something you can light on fire. Not a different mentality, right? There's not a different mentality for this is a, hey, if it doesn't work out, it was bonus pick anyway. Or, hey, we just got this pick from the Eagles, so whatever. And they also, they also don't let their coaches step in and make the picks, right? I appreciate. What if Quinn gets fired, dude? Yeah. Or what yeah, if I he mean, has a great what if he has a great year and he gets hired as a coach? Yeah, which is he, by the way, totally, absolutely possible. The reason he took this job is because it is a job with the one of the biggest spotlights on it in the entire yeah, country. Which the entire league. Hired. Yeah, get it, hired again with a quickness. Yeah, that's his that's what he's hoping to do. So then if that happens and you bring somebody else in who runs a different system. You know, there's a lot of teams out there that have no interest in six foot four corners because they're not agile. They can't turn and run with these little tiny receivers. It's not like it was 10 years ago where everybody was trying to get wide receivers who were six foot four and had, and had, yeah, yeah, no, now, now everybody's looking for Tyreek Hill and, and uh, digs and the little tiny guys that are super agile and quick and can route you up. Speaking this, of, what's that? Can I, I'm going to cut you off real quick. Yeah, I my mind. So one thing that kind of pisses me off, and maybe it's just a Dallas thing because we were the 90s Cowboys and boy, they were, <laughs> they liked to the party, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, why when the Chiefs pick draft Tyreek Hill, who had notable off the field issues? A ton of them. Why is it smart? It's a gamble. That's what a good team does. But when the Cowboys do it, well, that's Jerry, Jerry and his fuck ups. Like, what, 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 why is that the connotation? Is that just is that a media thing? Is that just because we're in Dallas and we hear what the Dallas people have to say? And is, is that what's going on? Or it's a combination, it's a combination of all of those things. It's part of it is the 90, like you said, the 90s Cowboys reputation, not just the 90s Cowboys, by the way, the 70s Cowboys, the 80s Cowboys, you had Hollywood Henderson doing rails in the locker room. Hell yeah. Whatever else, you know, all all that kind of stuff was going on, but it's also people look at at Jerry as like a um, Vince McMahon. (laughs) Yeah, like a cross between Vince McMahon and Yosemite Sam. (laughs) it's just um just just kind of flying by the seat of his pants and and 
just all that kind of stuff. So every time, every time he, we, well, and to be fair, Jerry is also, we do it more often than a lot of teams. That's why I got angry with it. I'm like, what man? I'm like, I don't mind. I I'm glad that we got some guys like that because you know, we had, there, there was, during the Jason Garrett era, you all said, we did was high character and high character got you eight and eight every year. All the time. And look, we would do high character guys, but then they would screw it up and do something stupid, like bring in Greg Hardy. Right. So you've got a locker room full of either high character guys or young, impressionable guys. And then you bring I mean, in Greg some, Hardy, this freaking UFC fighting people in the, in the, in the bathroom. Exactly. And so the fucking season goes off the rails. At least the, I feel like, in this situation, as long as they've done their homework and have a handle on the the character guys, I, there's only one character guy in this draft that I have an issue with, and we'll get. Hey, to we're about him. to get to him in round four, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and and I have oh, a, gosh. I have a severe issue with him, but we'll get to that because we still got two picks or one one pick to get to before him. So yeah, so you know here, so the third round's over. I'm scratching my head. I'm like, I just literally because I was recording both feeds because I wanted to hear what people said. And I heard Mel Kuyper say that this is too rich for his blood. And then I heard the people on NFL network, not even know what the fuck to say besides we need defensive help. So it makes sense. And I'm like, real quick. Yes. Sorry to cut you off, but I have to say you're fine. ESPN needs to get their money back from Mel Kuyper for the last 10 fucking years. (laughs) He's so bad at this now. He's terrible. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. The NFL network is such a better, the picture quality is better on ESPN. It really yeah. Is. Oh, it is. I mean, I, I had ESPN on, I just had it muted. I was listening on DallasCowboys.com. Which, which pumps me up by the way, next season, not the one coming up, but next season in 2022, all Thursday night games are going to be on Amazon prime and 4k streaming. And that's going to look press fucking steam. It's yes. going to be very pretty. It's gonna be very fun. It's going to be beautiful. So just when I thought the Dallas Cowboys couldn't get any dumber, the fourth round comes around and they totally redeem themselves, at least with the value that they get with these two picks. Um, We talk about character issue, which we're going to get to in a second. And I think you stand where I do on that. But I think both picks are one, like, I'm like, wow, this guy's really good. Why is he still there? One, I'm like, oh, that's why he's still there. But if not, he would have been like a second rounder. So first off, we mentioned him. We've been talking about linebackers this whole podcast. Uh, we get Jabril Cox from LSU, the linebacker. Baller in coverage, by the way. Fourth favorite. My fourth favorite linebacker in the entire draft. Why is he available this late? It's it's two things. One, well, no, actually, it's not even two. It's one thing. He is, as you said, a great coverage linebacker. He is not good at playing the run okay. right and at the end of the day even though what i said earlier is 100 percent true about linebackers needing to be able to affect the pass game and da, 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 a linebacker's responsibility primarily still their first responsibility is the run well right? just for and, our cowboy fans think about jalen smith versus todd Gurley, jalen smith's rookie year when he still had dead leg a little bit yeah. And Todd Gurley had like 200 yards versus us. Yeah, exactly. that's why you, they need to be able to stop the run because then that happens. And so because he is not great at the run, people uh, people were worried that that he may never be good at the run. 
where I personally believe that you can teach that playing in pass coverage is something that's much harder to learn because so much of it is a, so much of it is about instinct and feel. You know, linebackers aren't generally playing man to man. They're they're dropping into zones. Right. And so it's about floating around in the zone, kind of you're having to watch the quarterback, but you have to be able to kind of see out of your peripheral vision where a receiver is coming. You have to be able to kind of feel what's going on and identify uh, route concepts and, and all that stuff. Playing the run is it's much simpler. It's you're viewing cute keys. You know, if, if, if you're keying off the left guard, if the left guard starts pulling this way, you know that you, you are responsible for B gap or so on and so forth. Right. It's just about repetition. And I think that, and this happens a lot at the college level. I think his coaches basically said, look, you don't play the run all that well, but you are a beast in coverage. We're going to basically use you like an overhang, almost like a safety. And that's what they did. So he'll be in nickel almost all the time. Yeah, I think, he, yeah, absolutely. Right now he's, he's, he's going to be a special teamer and you're going to see him on, on uh, obvious passing downs in nickel packages. I think, uh, you know, maybe uh, a dime package. He may be the dime package linebacker. They may even try to use him a little bit as like a safety hybrid kind of thing. Okay. Um, but like I said earlier, I think in within the next 12 to 24 months, he and Micah are your two primary starting linebackers because they complement each other perfectly. One yeah. of them is a beast against the run and can rush the passer, and the other one isn't great against the run. He can blitz fairly well, but what he does great is – so they kind of – they every they interlocked perfectly right. as a linebacking duo. So I, I personally think that'll probably – Blades happen. of glory, fire and ice – Exactly. You know, exactly. Will Ferrell and uh, Home Dude Napoleon Dynamite. It just works. Yeah. Just yeah. the twin dongs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like it's safe to say, you know, that I, with this pick happened, it immediately started to feel way better. And then I, who pay, we're paying attention to everything, we're learning this is what they wanted to do with pick 99. So it's like, okay, let's just fucking shift things yeah, in our it, head a little it, bit. It, exactly. If you just switch them, you know yeah if you switch them you feel way better about it but yeah go ahead missy elliott said back in the day you flip it and reverse it and you're flipper nerper serpent something um so the next pick in the fourth round now <sighs> we went offense this is the first offensive pick of the draft they went eight on defense three on offense uh during the actual actual draft for the 11 players we got the talent for this fella uh josh ball is uh, the first thing I heard is if this guy's a second rounder, if he's not a terrible human being. And when I say terrible human being, uh, 11 counts of date violence um, yeah. at FSU was asked to leave the school, went to Marshall. And quite frankly, anything I heard, because I'm like, okay, man, people change, benefit of the doubt. We don't know what happened. Convicted, interviews suck doesn't seem remorseful doesn't seem like he he let, wants to address the issue let me clarify he wasn't convicted he wasn't convicted. thank he you got it he did not have any criminal charges pressed against him right uh his girlfriend at the time um uh, did get a restraining order um but 
here's how you know, maybe not know, but here's how you can pretty much be sure that at least some of what she was saying is, is valid. Um, it's really, if you're a good player, if you're somebody who would go in the top 100 picks in the NFL sure. draft, it's really, really fucking difficult for a school like Florida State to ask you to leave. They don't do they don't do that, right? They don't. They put up with a lot of really bad, you know, problem type players because they can play. And if they ask you to leave, you've done something pretty rough. And you know what? And before we ostracize the man, you know, I'm 39. And man, was I a fuck up in my teens and 20s. And I was quite frankly not a good human being. And I wouldn't expect the, that my wife would be even want to be remotely uh, with me at all if she knew the man that I was back then. So I'm not saying that people can't change or grow or get better. Um, his vibe, though, from what I've ha- I heard, is, is not great. And, uh, you know, every interview I heard from everyone, I was just like, okay. Like, it's funny because you know, even like when I was pissed off in the third round at three picks, I heard their Dallas Cowboys interviews immediately. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. Okay. Let's go to war together, man. I'm going to watch you on my couch and I'm going to scream at that TV. I'm ready to see what you're about. I'm ready for the preseason to see what's going on with this guy. I was just like, yeah, the other guys were easy guys to root for. Even if you don't like the pick, right? Like I told you when you and I were texting, um on uh on pick 99 no shot yeah no yes i hate the pick i like the player and i like the person right it's it's the exact opposite with ball i like the pick sure talent the value all of that is great and i again like you said i am not gonna play judge jury or executioner i was not there I have no idea what actually happened. And in these situations, there's all sorts of variables that we have no idea what's going on. Right. And like you said, everybody's stupid when they're 19 or 20 years old. Everybody. To a man, to a woman, everyone in the world is stupid when they're 19. And everybody makes mistakes. My issue with him is there is a way, there is a handful of, you know, there's a handful of ways that you can address this when you're asked about it and not come across like a total douchebag failed miserably and he failed yeah he he didn't even come close man the you know all he had to say the simplest one is everybody makes mistakes i'm certainly not perfect i don't really want to talk about it because it is in the past and i am just trying to move on i've made changes in my life and I'm looking forward to working out and, and getting in with the Dallas Cowboys and, and I'm looking to the future, right? He kind of said that, but in a much more hostile and evasive kind of way. Yeah. We've moved on. We've moved yeah. on. We're not yeah. focused on that anymore. You know, just yeah. very, it's, it's, it's kind of like a fuck you. Why are you even asking me yeah. about this type thing? And that's wrong. You know, very, like you ask, it's, that's very, kind of what their job is to do, you know? Yeah, I mean, it don't look. You're a guy who probably should have been a top fifty pick, and yeah. now, and now you got picked in the four, in the mid to late fourth round of the NFL draft, and now you're calling into the team's radio station, and you're surprised why they're asking about it. 
and you're not prepared to answer that question and you're kind of a prick about it bad look man and it's very it's, and it was it was not a good look it's it was very he was very un not contrite i again i only because i am a diehard cowboys fan i'm rooting for him to be great but i am at this point rooting for him to be good enough for us to be able to trade him next offseason and get something for him so that he can go to go be somebody else's douchebag so fourth round is done all right so one of the reasons why in the third round i think i was starting to lose my shit a little bit was because i thought that hey man you know this team's gonna have Dak back and that alone is such a huge huge change of the guard in the nfc east alone and winning the division right and then i'm like okay and on top of that we have a draft where we're going to have five picks in the top 99. We're going to be able to get five of the top 100 players in the draft. And they started to lose me with what they did in the third round. Well, like I said, they pulled me back in the fifth. I think I can confidently say on paper, they got four for sure of the top 100 players drafted. Yeah, so they I just didn't take them all in the top 100. They did not. No, sure as hell did not. No, but I feel confident at this point that that is what happened after these two picks. And I'm like, okay, we're kind of moving back in the, in the right direction. I don't know what the hell is going on in the third, man. Sometimes they just get bored and feel like they just need to shake yeah. it up, I guess, man. I, I don't know. Yeah. In the, in the fifth round, we had two picks. All right. First pick is the wide receiver. See me. How do you pronounce his last name? Uh, I believe it's Foku. Hoku's. Yeah, I, I almost said fuck you. Fe, fuck you. Hoko, sorry. See me, Fe Hoko. There we go. There we go. Um, I don't know a whole lot about this player. I know, once again, confidence to the moon. Yeah. Right? Yep. He's got length. Pretty good route runner, correct? He's, a decent, right? he's, he's, he's not a great route runner. What he is is he's fast. Okay, okay, okay. Thank okay. you. So he's missing the route running part of the, the intricacies of like, you know, getting off of a jam at the line of scrimmage and, and really being able to, to set somebody up with his routes and stuff like that. He's got good hands. He's fast. He's big, right? So right off the bat, primarily, he's going to be a special teams guy. Sure. Or, or practice squad or not on the team. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I think he's going to make the team. Just, cool. I'm just, up for it just for special teams value alone, right? Because he is big and fast. He's going to be a, you know, a gunner on the punt team and that kind of stuff. Um, he probably, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on uh, the field goal unit blocking, trying to block a field goal, try to block a punt, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I can dig it. And, but also I could, I very, I'm not predicting this, but it wouldn't surprise me if in two or three years he's he's our number three wide receiver or something like that. Okay. He's got he's got significant talent. Um, the only the aside from from his lack of route running and 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 that kind of stuff, the other downside is he's an older player. I think he's 26. You know what that reminds me of the way you described him. It reminds me of Sam Hurd, who uh, <laughs> Cowboy fans yeah. may remember. He went from being the sixth receiver to our third to leaving and then getting into a whole bunch of legal problems. But he, he was having a nice career for himself for starting off literally just as a, I think a fifth round pick, maybe yeah. even as well. 
if I if, if I'm not mistaken. Patrick Crane is another one as well, like that with the Cowboys. So okay. Yeah, no, he, he this is I could very easily see this, you know, him turning into a solid, solid player. The catch is gonna be can he do it before his athletic gifts start fading because of his age? Because, you know, the reason he's older is he went on, uh, uh, he's a, a missionary. He went and, and went on a mission for two years uh, to South America, I believe. Yeah, he's a great human being. He's everything the fourth round pick was not. Oh, Paul. He <laughs> is the polar Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, up next, I love this pick. <laughs> this guy. Holy shit balls, right? Yes. This is this is our guy. We yes. like the fat boys, dude. And this guy, uh, Bohana, yes, he's like eight thousand pounds. Yeah, <laughs> one tech. He's meant to do one thing, and that's stop the run. It's put him in on third down and short, and let him destroy the world, right? Yeah, absolutely, he is a trash can full of dirt and bricks. You yes. are not moving him, right? Um, like here, here's an example, and a lot of people are going to hear this and think it's a bad thing. Where I think it's amazing. He right. he played for three years at Kentucky. In those three years, the entire three years, he had, and I don't know the exact number, but it was something like forty tackles total the entire time he was there. And a lot of people hear that and go, "That's not very good." No, because you gotta you gotta understand what it was that he was asked to do there and what he's going to be asked to do here. His job is to park his fat head directly yeah. over the center and make one of the guards and the center double team him so that now you've got linebackers running free, or you've got Demarcus Lawrence can't be double teamed at that point. Right. Well, Randy Gregory can't be double teamed. An exciting pick, dude. I it's love an it. Exciting pick. Also, this guy, there aren't very many fifth round picks you can say you almost guarantee they'll make the team. Oh no, this fucking guy right here, if he's healthy, will make the team. I, I would bet. I will bet you anything you want that he makes the team. Thirty-four and a half inch arms as well. Also a quick, t- a quick twitch, and. This guy is built like the Mike McCarthy pick of BJ Raji. Absolutely. Green yeah. Bay. Yeah. This dude, he only, only going to be out on third downs, but man. No, no, no. First down. For, you, first you, down? Yeah. He's okay. going to be our base package. No third and short. So you third, think. Yeah. The only okay. third downs you're going to see him on is third and short. Third one, third and short. Goal line, that kind of stuff. But you'll see him on. On first down, obvious run situations, right? right. Uh, you're going to see him about 25% of the time. But when he's in there, it's a run play. And whoever it is that's in front of him, they're not moving. Yeah. His it's, feet are anchored is, to the ground. He's a tank. He yeah. is a tank. Yeah, he's huge. All right. So two picks left. Uh, we got a, another 6'4 cornerback. cornerback. Uh, tell us about this guy the seven, in the sixth round. Uh, so they've already said he, he played corner in college, but they've already said that he's going to, they're going to try him at safety. Right. Um, number one, his name is Israel, uh, Mukuamu. Another confident SOB, by the way, I dig it. I must have a star, but man, well-spoken just. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, again, this this if I had to pick one one guy, he's the to me he's the maybe the least likely to make the team, 
But um, just like the other corner that we drafted, the uh, uh, Nation Wright, it's a. And once you get to this point in the draft, you're not you, your best player available doesn't even really count. No, this is when you look for traits and traits. characteristics and what you need to fit your your scheme that you're rolling for for yeah, bodies yeah. for camp for yep. bodies for for everything, right? Hundred percent. And and you're you're looking for traits that can you can develop that kind of thing. Right. He is six foot four. He's got 30, almost, uh, what is it, 34 and a quarter inch arms. Right. All of them are 34 and a half, 34 and a quarter, 35. It's nuts. The two two tallest cornerbacks in the entire draft, and we drafted both. So that tells you what Dan Quinn is looking for. He wants tall, long space eaters. He wants them, you know, if we're going to play drop zone, he wants you to be able to reach out and affect the larger areas of space. Right. Uh, that's really all you need need to know about him is he's big and pretty fast. And not the Mr. Irrelevant, but our Mr. Irrelevant of the draft. In the seventh round, the Cowboys went back to, oh, this was the third and final offensive lineman, uh, or offensive player, excuse me, also yeah. plays in the offensive line, Matt Farniok. Yep. Farniok. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a body, man. He's right? a camp body. He's a camp body. He's got... The whole idea is to create a little bit of competition. You know, that's all that is. If he may, I, this is the guy I would be, not only do I not think he'll make the roster, I would be surprised if he does just because we've got a fair amount of depth on the interior of the offensive line between Biotish and the two, the two Connors and, and Zach, of course, Uh, there's a fair amount of depth on the interior offensive line. You're only going to carry so many offensive linemen. I think they're going to move Brandon Knight to guard. So he's a camp body, and maybe he ends up on the practice squad. All indications are he's a really good dude. Um, so there you go. Okay. So we think nine. We're thinking none of these at 11 are going to make it. Yeah. I, like eight, it. I, I would bet eight or nine. Eight or okay. nine, which is solid for this number of draft picks. If you If you're getting – yeah, actually, I would say nine. I think nine make the roster, and that's great. Because Steven, in the interviews after the draft, he said it multiple times. We're in a spot now as a team where you know, we're paying Dak a lot of money. We're paying three guys on our offensive line a lot of money. We're paying and Mark. And Cooper. Yeah, Zeke, Cooper, Tank, Jalen. Uh, we've got some guys that we're paying a good amount of money. And so what we need right now more than anything is young cheap talent who can come in and take a veteran's job they would love nothing more than to be able to cut two or three expensive veterans because these guys made the roster and i think it's going to happen excellent so the draft is done this is the draft in a nutshell um, overall, very pleased. Uh, living the third round was not so pleasant, so I'm glad you got to live it through us on the podcast because it certainly wasn't as bad listening to it. And then you think about because we've got the we're talking about it now with having the interviews, knowing the players a little bit better, knowing what ended up happening in the fourth round that everything kind of came into fruition because the two fourth round picks very well could have went in the third and push everybody back too, and we're not. There's no Tom fuckery going around where anybody's upset with anything. So that's kind of where we stand there. Expert wise, I, you know, it's kind of looking at it today. 
most experts have us anywhere from a B to a C grade on their on their charts, which is not that's that's it is what it is. You know, it's a it means fuck all right now. Let's just be honest. You can't judge a draft for some people say three years. I don't buy that, especially the way the NFL is now where people, your rookies, especially the higher ones, are expected to play pretty early. But I say you can't, you at least can't judge it until camp, you know? Let's get to training camp before you really judge it. Right now, the only thing you can judge is, did the Cowboys execute their plan and process well? And I would say there were, for the most part, it it was pretty good. There were some spots where it could have been better. Right. Um, as we've talked about at this point quite a bit, but it was fairly solid. Like I said, I would give it probably a B minus. Okay. On process Perfect. and everything else. Excellent. Well, let's close this chapter on the Cowboys. You want to talk Mavs for a few minutes before we close? Absolutely. All right. So the Dallas Mavericks are in fifth place. They got lucky because the Lakers lost and look like they're going to lose again tonight to Denver as well. Um, they're tied with they're tied with Portland, but because Portland and Lakers are tied with Dallas, it makes Portland seventh and us fifth, even yep. though the records are the same. The good, Luca is one of four players in NBA history to now have a 30 point and 20 assist triple double. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. The bad is his next technical foul. He's suspended for a game. Yep. Um, I want to correct something that I misspoke on in a previous podcast, by the way, for everyone still sticking with us right now. The technical fouls reset when the playoffs start. Ah, I didn't know that either. Good. They do. You start over at zero and the magic number is eight. Eight technical fouls in the playoffs and you get suspended. That's what happened to Draymond Green that year versus the Cavs ended up losing. So there is there is hope. We're not going to be losing him on a playoff game. Now he swears up and down, Lucas swearing that uh he's not gonna get it'll probably happen next game <laughs> it'll probably happen tomorrow he, here's the thing part of it i part, look i definitely he's he's got his his share of blame in the situation but those last night that was, that was, that was stupid yeah stupid. Shit. i mean or the texts have come from that ref yeah i did yeah, yeah yeah um th- that dude and a couple of other refs let's just be honest because of his whining it is his fault that it's at this point he didn't get the benefit of the doubt at this no point. no and 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 at this rate he's never going to if he doesn't dial it back so he's gonna have to learn to shut the fuck up let's see yeah. if he can i'm in tr- i'm almost more ready to watch him tomorrow <laughs> than yes. just to see how he reacts to everything knowing that yeah. because they have eight games left and if they win six of these, they're probably going to be the fifth seed. And it's Miami and New and the Nets are the two hardest ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the question is, when is the Nets game? The uh, Thursday, I think. Okay. No, never mind. I for some reason I had it in my head that it was a little bit later because I was thinking maybe the Nets would be resting people, but by then, dude, but- they rest people so fucking randomly in New Actually. Jersey. I don't even know. We play Miami tomorrow. The Nets Thursday. Cavs Friday, Cavs Sunday. So, yeah. So, I, when did the Kings, like, I, I just want to talk about this real quick because I'm trying to, trying to process it in my head. Yeah. So, it doesn't make sense. I've seen teams have other teams' numbers before, right? We saw the We Believe Warriors, we actually talked about those fuckers on our podcast last episode, right? Not only do they beat us during the regular season bad, 
We matched up with them as a number one seed, went in 67 games back in 2007, and they beat our ass, right? Yes. Yeah. So when did the Sacramento Kings become, and they're like, they're up, like fans hate this team now. They're like the 06 Heat, the 07 We Believers, and just, let's just say Spurs, period. Like they've yeah. become that kind of thorn in our side. Because the Spurs in the late 2000s owned our soul as well, by the way. Yeah. You know, that older Dirk era of Mavs basketball. And what what is that about? Uh, I have no idea. There, nothing about it makes sense. Nothing. Like, at least about the game uh, last night. Because I'll say this. Harrison Barnes, ever since what happened. Sure, sure. Leaving here, he's kind of become a Mav killer a little bit. So when he plays, that, like the last time, not not this game last night, but the last time he had a great game, you know, and that's part of what got us there. He didn't play. Fox didn't play. And Halliburton got injured. I know. Is, is it just Buddy Hill auditioning? Is, is he just like, please, trade and, for me. Come get me. I also think Bagley usually tries to go pretty hard because a lot of people compare him to Luca because of, True. you know, he was saying Luca. Well, yeah, exactly. No. Um, and so if you look, if you look at his his numbers, usually some of his better games are against the Mavericks, even though it's still not great. He's not that great of a player. But um huh. that's the I mean, that's it. It's but I I nothing about and I also I also think it's has a lot to do with the Mavericks, just not they're still at that point where they play down to teams. They're young, man. That's what you, when your leader's 22. Yep, exactly. And, and it's like, it's like we said, we've talked about this in a podcast that probably once or twice, I know once he hasn't, he's not at that point where he's had his soul crushed in the playoffs. He just had his, his the first time to lose in the playoffs was right. last year. And it was a bubble. It was a totally different. Weird. Yeah. Totally weird. And frankly, the fact that they were able to push the Clippers the way that they were, a lot of people felt good about that, right? Good. And so, um, which, I mean, I did too, but I could see him walking out of that series not feeling like his soul was snatched from his body and just crumbled like dust, where right. that's what it's supposed to feel like when you lose a playoff series. Right. And he hasn't got there yet. And they were so happy to be playing. You yeah, know, the season yeah. happened, it seemed, you know, and, and there's like a giant party to some of these young guys. It's like, ah, oh, I could just stay in a dorm with my dudes at Disney World. Like, it was kind of some of the older fellas that you could tell, like, it like it jacked them up. Yeah, but some of the younger guys are like, this is okay, cool, this is fine, this is badass. Yeah, it's you know, and and that kind of shit is what leads to you playing down to shitty teams like Sacramento and losing to. Houston and losing to these just garbage teams that we've lost yeah. to over the last 20 games or so that just they have no business of even being in the game and we just let them hang around uh I, th this is how the week's gonna go they're going to beat Miami and the Nets and then get swept by the Cavs <laughs> it's I mean it, it, we're joking but it's <laughs> certainly possible so Porzingis is doubtful tomorrow so that's not good. No. Um, we'll see how this goes. Eight games left. Man, um, 
<laughs> we say what we want about Porzingis. This team, in my opinion, is not making a playoff run without Porzingis at this point with the way they're constructed. 100%. Absolutely. I mean, look, at, at, again, it's kind of like what we were talking about with the, the Cowboys draft earlier. We can sit here and him and Haw and, and hammering all day about how we want some we want somebody better or want more out of Porzingis, but it is what it is for right now. And if they can't get a healthy Porzingis, that no matter who we match up with in the first round, it's going to be a short series if he's not able to to play some serious minutes and and you know play well. All right, good. They're coming off a loss, fighting for their playoff seeding life right now versus Miami. Are they getting W? Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I, the last time we lost to Sacramento, they came back and won the next game that usually these kinds of losses, it's a, it's a short-term reality check and it, it's embarrassing for Luca a little bit. And usually we get a pretty spectacular game out of him. So yeah, we, I think we win. The Nets do not have a back-to-back. They're playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So for what we should expect, the Nets will be full force on Thursday whenever we play them so brian and i shall break down these games all next week when we do our uh, our episode on monday night we talk about where we stand we'll have four more games on our, under our belt by then and four left to go so in closing the texas rangers won three of four versus the red sox who they're going uh, right just when you try to ride them off they become team fun baseball again it's like they lose four in a row you're like okay it's it's time to not pay attention and then all of a sudden it's like Man, Willie Calhoun's hit nine games in a row. They just beat the Red Sox three or four, and then now they're getting their ass beat by the Twins. Of course, it's 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 a <laughs> it's a journey. It's a journey, man. It's a journey. They are so predictably unpredictable. It's crazy. Yeah, really. Like you have no idea. And as long as you're not expecting them to go on some crazy, awesome postseason run, it's not bad to watch. It's decent it's- baseball. Team yeah. fun baseball right now. They're they don't really get their ass beat. They're kind of they're kind of there, man. So yeah. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. They're I'll still there, it. man. <laughs> gotta get appreciated. Again, we're talking. It's May. We're still talking about baseball, and it's May, and I didn't expect that to be true. So whatever. No. I'll take yeah. it. I'm with it, man. I'm with it 100. percent Will you got anything else you want to close with? Um, I watched Mortal Kombat. You're absolutely right. I'm not into it. Other than that. <laughs> That's all I got, bro. My wife's tried watching it twice, and I don't think she's made it past the same first 12 minutes either time. (laughs) It's rough, man. It's rough. It's even more rough when you try to watch it a second time because I'm in the room when she tries to watch it, and I'm like, we've been watching New Girl. We've like restarted that series. That's a funny show, man. My gosh. Did you ever watch New Girl before? No, I'm aware of it, but I've never watched it. It is hilarious. You, yeah. uh, <laughs> I think you would enjoy it very much. Okay. I may, I may have to so, check it out. So, so very goofy. It's on Netflix every season. And last night, we, it, I try to do this thing. So it's apparently very good for you to, before you go to bed, watch either animation or watch a comedy. Something funny. Uh, like if you watch, for instance, Narcos and go to bed, that's probably bad for your sleep pattern, right? Yeah. The way you think. If you watch like Futurama or The Simpsons or South Park or New Girl or Office or you name the program, it makes you, you're laughing. You're, you're not looking at your phone. Your, your mind might be thinking better. And then you might start off with a better day. 
So I've been trying to do this, my wife and I both, where we try to watch a comedy show. Because I've been watching Warrior as well. Have you heard of that show? Sure, yeah. That show is awesome. I'm almost I done with it. I haven't watched it, but I have heard of it. Ooh, season, it got greenlit for season three. For our listeners out there, it's on HBO Max. It's actually based off some writings of Bruce Lee. And it is Kung Fu to the max. It is badass. One of the coolest things about that show, before I get too carried away, is there's three kinds of dialect happening in all, at all time. So the Chinese people in it, they're immigrants, right? They don't speak English. But for us, they speak English. But yet they all speak perfect English. But when they are speaking around an American, all of a sudden they're either speaking Chinese, it changes to Chinese all of a sudden, or if they're trying to speak actual English, they're talking with a heavy Chinese accent. But then when they talk to each other, it's perfect English like you or me. And that, that happens on every episode, like what's well, going on. It's really cool how they do it, by the way. It's That's one of the more original, like it's some of those original writing I've ever seen. Huh, okay. It's very right. intriguing. I'll have it's to check it out. I'll have to check it out. There's a whorehouse in it, and the, uh, the madam of the whorehouse when she's talking to like the cops or whatever, she's got the, the heavy, thick Asian accent. But then when she's talking to the other actors, it's she sounds as, as American as can be. It's yeah. very, very cool how they do that. And it's got a, just got some kick-ass kung fu, dude. My gosh. It is. It's, you will be hooked, trust me. Yeah, you I'll like, check it out. Like, it's so damn good. Uh, new Girl as well. Watch both of those. That's everybody's assignment if you're a listener. Watch The New Girl and watch, watch that. There's nothing else really new yet right now to watch. Watch those things and enjoy. Indeed. So anything else? No, what am I tired All right. That's it for me. All right. Very good. We appreciate all you guys from listening. Uh, this is our draft special. And, um, you know, we, we love doing this every week. It's uh, a way to kind of sit back and talk and reflect on sports where we're not talking to our wives about it and boring them out of their minds. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you like what you heard, like, review, share tell people about us uh, whatever you want to do because uh, that's why we do this thing i do have one last thing it just popped in my head but she's here and she can hear me say it i do want to give a shout out to my lovely wife adrian who has been editing the videos for us and and kind of helping out uh producing a little bit for us so i did want to say thank you very much adrian knox yes thank you so much i definitely owe you dinner sometime or a cookie you a burger or something tell bad jokes that <laughs> didn't need to happen so this is us signing off we appreciate you guys listening this is the goal line fade and we are out